Okay, hi, it's been a long time. It's Adam and James, the, the Spooky Boys. We're back again. Hi, Hello. Adam. Are we the Spooky Boys? Is that... I like that. The Spooky-O Boys. And like Adam that. and I have been trying to organize an episode for weeks, uh, but we both have adult ADHD, and so it's just it's damn near impossible to get both of our executive functions running at the same time to record something. This is very this is very true. And uh, shout out to all of my uh, adult ADHD folks out there who uh, make me feel more normal because you exist. Thanks, guys. Right. The struggle is real. Well, it doesn't matter because, you know, it's October. Spooky's in the air and spooky's <laughs> in right. my blood. And I'm feeling real good right now. It's like pretty cold out. I think that's because the hurricane. Are you are you freaky cold up where you are? Uh, a little bit. I've, I okay. it is it is spooktober almost. Well, it is now, and mm-hmm. I've watched uh, three horror movies very recently. One was good, one was okay, and one was bad. Uh, the bad one was the Invitation, which you've seen part of. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing the other half. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's I, the best half. I had to quit out on the first few, but we're gonna try again. The just okay horror movie I saw was D- Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling, which I have a lot of thoughts on. Maybe you'll see it sometime. Uh, I think I will. You know what? Don't, don't spoil it for me. Don't give me anything. We don't have to go into it. All right? Okay. But was it? Would you classify it as a horror movie? Uh, it's horror-esque. It's a psychological thriller. Yeah. Is The Cell a horror movie? Oh, okay. Good point. Okay. I get it. It's okay, horror adjacent. That's fine. That's yeah. that's the term that I've been using. I don't know why, uh, but it is. Uh, I think it's I think it's appropriate and apt for a, a whole bunch of stuff that feels very horror adjacent. And there seems to be more of it coming out. It's like we're kind of halvesies in on the horror stuff, and then we're pulling from a lot of different genres. I like it. And then the good horror movie that I've seen this season is the one we're here to talk about now, Barbarian. Oh, I like the way you said a- that. A feature-length film only in theaters, not to be confused with a a streaming show, which also came out called Barbarians recently. It's not that. That's something else. No, this is Barbarian, the movie. And this is a movie that I went into totally blind. I hadn't heard anything except positive buzz. And it was a great movie to go into blind. And I just want to say, before we talk anything else, this is the first feature-length movie written and directed by Zach Kreger, who is one of the members of The Whitest Kids You Know with Trevor Moore, <laughs> if anybody <laughs> has seen that. that. Yeah. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> That's super cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I just found this out looking into it now, and I was like, wow, what a career turn. But damn, for a first movie, I mean, this is like Ari Aster and and Hereditary, just like coming out of the gate swinging. Yeah, I hear, I uh, I, I see it though now. Maybe not the particular style, but you know, the movie does provide a fair amount of like quality laughs through tension. Like, it's pretty good in that sense. I don't know. Yes, and uh, there is a a. The Justin Long character, who's the comedic relief, and actually, like, a lot of times in horror movies, you'll have someone trying to do comedy relief and just, like, fucking up the movie, but he's, like, actually really funny, and his character has depth, too. That was a hell of a casting choice. Hell of a casting so, choice. Before we get into it, 
you can't really even discuss the type of horror movie this is without giving it away. It's, uh, but just to review it up front, it's an extremely, in my opinion, extremely original, well-written, well-acted horror movie where I did not predict scene to scene what was going to happen. And I would recommend it to anybody. Same. hundred um, percent. Actually, question. Did you see it before or after I saw it? Because you know when I saw it. Yeah, you saw it yesterday. I saw it probably uh, around its opening weekend. So a few weeks ah, okay. ago. Yeah, so you were, you were way back. Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I, I think I was one of those people because I wasn't sure if you'd seen it who was like raving to you instantly. Yes. Like I was literally sitting in the theater while the credits were rolling going, man, if you haven't, like you need to go see this right now. And it's so funny because I thought you were going to see Don't Worry Darling and then raving about it. And then I went to see it and I was like, this wasn't that good. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a weird moment. You started talking about like a character tap character. dancing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? what the hell? Are there like three versions of this movie or something? Like, Oh, my God. Uh, but that's the weird. Th- okay, that's the crazy thing, though. For a second, I literally had to go and pull up the IMDb and look at the ca- the cast to see that I didn't miss a character name, because right. I would believe <laughs> that there's a possibility that I missed a tap dancing scene, and that's how crazy this movie was. In the sense that uh, you just couldn't predict. Even after yeah. I saw it, I was like, "Did I miss a tap dancing scene?" <laughs> And and it may come that, you know, Adam and I will have a time to talk about Don't Worry Darling or maybe even The Invitation. But today, it's Barbarian. We got a good movie. It's been a while since uh, a good horror movie that we talked about on this show. And this is yeah, one I'm of ready. them. I'm ready. Yeah. We had uh, uh, Prey, which was good, but not a horror movie. And then we had uh, Texas oh, 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 Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre, which was a horror okay. movie, but terrible. Uh, is it? Okay. True. Unintentional yeah. comedy. We'll call it horror. So, yeah, we're, we're about to recap the whole movie, guys. It's a really good one. If you're a fan of horror movies, don't listen to the recap. Just go watch the movie. Don't yeah. learn anything about it. Turn and this off you- right now. It's right. not worth it. Don't listen. Go see it. Come back and listen after. Right. Or just see it and then don't even listen to this. I mean, well, okay, you probably should listen to this, though, because, like, you know, you, you want to sit here and be like, you know, just agree with us. Just, like, nod your head a- and just- a great segue into the ad we're about to play. <laughs> All right. So this movie opens up uh, as like a, a completely different kind of movie than what you get towards the end. It starts out as like a sort of slow burn, sort of uh, uh, uncomfortable situation, psychological thriller where Tess, the main character played by Georgina Campbell, who's very good in this, um, She's rented an Airbnb in a dog shit neighborhood outside Detroit because she has a job interview. And when she gets there, isn't this just a modern Seinfeld episode? It's been double booked by uh, Pennywise himself, Bill Skarsgård. In this was fantastic casting because, like, yeah. he's a very good actor, and you're already primed to be afraid of him. The the face is incredibly scary, and he was definitely throwing in tidbits of it. Hundred percent. Like the way he was grinning, they definitely were sitting there going, "Like maybe, maybe, maybe like fifty, fifteen percent Pennywise." So it's already a creepy situation for Tess. She's like in this Airbnb in a bad neighborhood. She's with a uh, an extremely strange looking, sleepy eyed man, Bill Skarsgård, <laughs> and uh, you know, you get the sense that he is like perf- like 
overdoing performative normalness. He's like, yeah, oh, wow, what a wacky situation. But, you know, I'm a normal guy. We can make this work out in a non-creepy way. <laughs> I was 100% sold that he was a killer at this point. And I was like, oh, no, like, it, like don't do that. Like, we, But then I was, oh, I can't even describe this. I'm going to shut up because it was just so well done. Eventually, though, like they do make a connection on the fact that like they're both jazz lovers and he's actually a professional musician or something. And so she comes to trust him. But she's woken up in the middle of the night by a door slamming somewhere. He's asleep on the sofa in the throes of a night terror. And when she she thinks he's up to something, when she goes to wake him up, he's like terrified of her. And this is just it's such a great sequence because you're like, who's fucking with who? And what's really going on here? Yeah, I, I love the fact that they showed him so clearly from her perspective, like already on the couch. So that was diffused, right? It wasn't a, it wasn't a question of like, oh, is he going to pop out? Right. And then but she scares the shit out of him. Yeah, which is great. I, I was lost at this point in such a wonderful way. So she, she leaves the next day. She goes to her job interview uh, on the way back into the Airbnb. I guess this is a multi-day job interview, whatever. Um, she is chased down by a raving homeless man who's like, don't go in that house. Don't go in that house and scares the shit out of her. And that scene scared me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Like, I, I, you know what it was, James, if I'm going to break this down like a little bit, like it'll sound like a little bit weirdly academic here for a second. Mm-hmm. Um. But the terror that we've known so far is all internal to the house. Yes. And this is like external and it's during the day and it's like freaking weird. And like at this point, I just felt more and more disoriented. Like I was going down a completely untrodden path, um, which was even scarier. This the, it blew. I was outside of any archetype that my brain knew of. And I was cognizant of that in the moment. Um, and I, I the tension, I literally felt unbroken tension from the time she got to the door of the house to this point in the movie. So we should say, cause it's a little important. The key, the only key to this door is, cause it's an Airbnb is in a lock box, a key box at the front door. So she uses that to escape the homeless guy and get inside. And then normal Airbnb stuff, you know, you kind of get the sense that she's like maybe into Bill Skarsgård a little bit. They really hit it off and she's like waiting for him to come back. And she's searching the house for toilet paper and she goes down into the basement, which again, like horrifying looking basement, terrible thing to have to do. But like, at least in this situation, it would make sense why the character's doing this, right? You need TP. It's got to be somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I, li- I like that. It's like they're, you know, their kind of shoehorn reason felt good and like it didn't bust me out of anything or like feel like an awkward choice. Right. And she can't go outside. I don't know about your theater, but th- at this point... The audience, I had a great audience I saw this film with. Um, they were they were literally yelling at the screen, don't do it, girl, don't do it. <laughs> like right. that's how that's how tense it was. People needed that release. It wasn't people being annoying. It was people yeah. who'd been in tension for that long needing that release. And as she goes down to the basement, the door, it's like one of those not properly aligned doors, and so it will very slowly creep and then slam shut. And then it locks from one side. So she's trapped in the basement. Bad enough as that is. And well, that also maybe answers the question of what slammed the door when she was sleeping. It slammed itself. Yeah. Kind of diffuses that sort of situation a little bit in my mind. Because once again, untrodden ground here. As far as like what, what, what I could feel like this movie was, was doing and where it was going. 
so yeah, I was like, oh, well, maybe it just did close itself. There's still weird stuff because I don't know if we mentioned it. Her door had also been opened the night before. Right, right, right. Um, and I think she had either closed it or closed and locked it. Right. So yeah, you you think maybe Bill Skarsgård opened it up, but he was already asleep. Right, right. Yeah, so there's, there's already weird shit happening. But this is where the movie starts to really take uh, a narrative turn here. She sees on the shelf in the basement a piece of string coming out of the wall in a very suspicious way, in a Scooby-Doo way. <laughs> True. And once again... Pulled- Oh, sorry. I was going to say, once again, this is in my theater. This is where people were going like, nope, nope, nope. Like literally out loud. Uh, and it was it was wonderful. Is it, it, it the best thing? And as she pulls that string, it opens up a secret hidden door in the basement, which leads to a <laughs> a, a narrow, completely pitch black uh, corridor, which she follows to a horrible little dungeon room. With a bed with a horrible blood stain on it and like chains strapped to the wall. Yeah, this is this is a no questions about what's going on here happening. <laughs> like, right. We, we've laid no this misunderstanding. Out. Yeah, there's no <laughs> misunderstanding. This is not like, oh, a spare room, uh, which is important in about, you know, 20 seconds. And then beyond the creepy dungeon room is a third door, which leads down into like stone cut into the ground stairway descending into absolute pitch blackness and then finally the character she runs away from this this is finally too much i know this is like the tiniest tidbit and i'm absolutely not like air quotes correcting but like i think she didn't find that yet i think she goes um she finds that later i might be misremembering but it was like it's a kind of weirdly important too or at least it was to my viewing experience yeah, I'm not fu- sure, and, but I would definitely watch this movie a second time. Yeah, I'm absolutely watching it a second time. Um, I think she finds it just like a little bit later, and it, it's kind of important. So, Keith finally gets back, and she's able to contact him through the basement window. He comes in, and to him, he thinks like, oh, she got a little spooked. She's overreacting. She thinks he's acting suspicious. Why isn't he more disturbed by the story that she's telling him? And he's like, well, why don't I just go down into the creepy dungeon basement, have a look at myself? And she's like, I'm not for sure not going down there with you. And honestly, it's creeping me out that you want to go down. Yeah, like he, I thought this was like a little bit weird and like half hearted. She's like, literally, there is a, a, a there is a room with a bloody bed, chains and a video camera. And it's like, oh, it sounds like a storage room. Like, okay, this is either wildly suspicious or like this guy's actually an idiot. Well, I think that he he thinks she's trying to fool him for some really? reason. And and she oh, thinks that okay. he is in on this somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I do think she that was definitely cycling through her head. But I thought back to the night before and that like almost like feigned acted normalcy, right? I think they gave the reason I bought this scene is because I think they did such a great job kind of going either like this guy's like a little slow or like something weird is going on with his brain, right? Well, he's type B for sure. And I'm type B and I have been in the kind of situation like even like in like a job interview or anything where it's like, okay, now put on my normal face. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
and be act like you know a uh, uh, cool normal man and it's hard <laughs> to do and the more that you do it uh the least the, the less normal you appear okay i see what you're saying i mean i i think we you know i i can commiserate with you on that um i have you know we i have a public face and then i have a work face and you know you gotta switch switch those modes or there's something there is something to be said there okay i hear you he goes down and she's calling after him like what are you what, what are you doing just come back just come back he's like it's fine oh look at this another room okay a stairway whoa where does this go yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that's where she finds the stairway and like this is once again why it's so important in my viewing experience if you haven't and you have the ability go see this in the theater hope you get a good crowd at this point everyone was like losing their minds in my theater this was not opening weekend by the way this is like a couple weeks in like um they were they were losing their minds they're like absolutely not don't do it don't don't go down there like the tension was so high it was wonderful it was like electric in the air his voice is getting further away when he like screams out in terror and then he's suddenly silent and she goes after him with like the light on her on her smartphone and like again her perf- Georgina Campbell's doing a great performance here like she wants to go down mm-hmm. and help him but she's like actively weeping out of fear the entire time and I really bought her performance I, okay, I, I was 100% at this point that uh, Alexander Skarsgård was the villain. 100%. And I was like, girl, that's Pennywise down there. Do not go, okay? I know what's going to happen to you. When she finds him, he's like injured. He's like, something bit my leg, which is already horrible enough. Uh, and then he gets his skull caved in. Innocent, by the oh, way, my let's God, say. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Innocent man now, we know for sure. When he gets his skull caved in by an enormous, deformed, naked woman. Fully naked woman, yeah. <laughs> that was such a frightening image. I can still see that that film still in my mind. That was oh, yeah. so scary. I was terrified. I, legit, I see a, a million horror movies. I laugh at most of them. Yeah. I was actually scared in that moment. I felt like I was right there with her in that tunnel. No, no, it's like, very claustrophobic too, because it's it's yeah. shot. It reminds you of like, uh, uh, oh god, the horror movie where they go spelunking and there's the the horrible yeah the descent the yeah descent. it's a bit that, like the descent okay. when they're in those scenes. Yeah, to be fair, that is one of my biggest real life fears, and <laughs> okay, a bunch of my biggest real life fears all wrapped in one thing. Um, I was freaking out. I was losing it. I was like, I I don't know if I can take this level of tension. Is how I felt at that moment, and and that like he this monstrous woman smashes stoves his head in against a wall while Tess screams, and then it like smash cuts to the next scene. But I just want to say like this in and of itself is like a short film. This first act it has all the elements of a horror movie already in thirty minutes. Yeah, that that could have literally been the movie. Um, for the most part, like they, they literally could have panned away from the house with like Georgina's final scream. And I wouldn't have been satisfied because I want more, but a hundred percent could have just cut it there. And, and so far, like if you just, and I, I know there are certain horror movie fans who hate themes or, or, or anyone who intentionally writes anything into a horror movie, but like the idea that like in the in in industrialized countries where we our lives are so safe day to day we still have like an insane amount of distrust of strangers and like she doesn't trust him because he's he's a strange man who's acting kind of awkward he doesn't trust her cuz she think he thinks she's acting irrationally um earlier on like the homeless guy is trying to tell 
Tess don't go in the house and like she's horrified of him and and I think it just speaks to very cleverly like this modern condition of like we're just horrified of our neighbors we think everyone is probably a serial killer yeah it was beautiful subtext and it, it while it wasn't subtle in a classical sense it didn't impede the movie in any way it just felt really chill and I, I felt myself you know relaxing and digesting this movie and that being part of it after um, in a really lovely way so again breaking horror conventions here we now cut to like a completely original character going through seemingly unrelated issues <laughs> justin long <laughs> is a oh, uh, yeah. and you can picture this type of guy yeah. he's like a he's like an la comedian breaking into uh uh sitcom acting like finally has his first big role immediately me too'd just like as the show is premiering yep absolutely and <laughs> like i love this setup man like it you know what's so strange we'll get we'll get obviously we're gonna get to the specifics in a minute the entire time this guy was like the focus of the movie i simultaneously wanted him to die and felt an equal amount of hard horror tension about how it was going to happen. That's a feat. That's a feat. Yeah, he, he's a, a self-centered, egotistical guy. He, he tells his representation and his other co-stars that he's unequivocally innocent and that she's lying and it's made up out of whole cloth. Um, uh, but he's already – he's fired from the show and now he has to liquidate his assets. So he's going to all these rental properties that he owns – in his hometown of Detroit. And that's what connects him to the story. He's the owner of the Airbnb where, you know, the first act took place. And beautifully acted by him that like, while he's stating these things, like we can tell that he's lying because of how wonderfully Justin Long can act telling a lie, but pretending it's the truth. Like it, it was, it was fantastic. And if you've seen, for example, another Justin Long horror movie, Tusk. I haven't seen Tusk. Uh, maybe I'll put, yeah, maybe should I put that on the list? Well, like that's, that's another extremely original movie that like doesn't work. That's like kind of uh, too silly. Okay. But like, I think that Justin Long has kind of proven his bona fides, like as a horror actor at this point, he's been in enough of them. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. he's great in this. I, this would, this is the one it, it's all it would take to sell me at least on him, like doing this very particular thing. Um, because I, I believed his performance the whole way through as ridiculous, I think, as the script and the director probably pushed him to be um, for whatever reason. Like he just has that he has that it factor that keeps him feeling grounded to me, no matter how insane and ridiculous it got, which we'll get to. This right. So he, he goes out and he sees his high school friends that his story is already changing. Now he did sleep with this girl, but it was consensual uh, and, and she's mad at him about something else. So like he's already, you know. Uh, walked back the original story that nothing happened which i felt like added like just not even like okay not like a real twinge of like empathy but a part of why like this guy's slowly coming to grips with what he did which he may have known was like fully wrong in the moment but he hasn't his brain hasn't let him come to grips with it he's not like an evil mastermind he's not a sadist or a psychopath he's a narcissist uh and and he only has his one extremely sympathetic to him view of the situation, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I, by the end of the movie, we know just like is wrong. He, he's a guilty. <laughs> yeah, 100% guilty. 
And, you know, it's so interesting you say that and it's it becomes so important that he's not a sadist, right? Like he's not a psychopath necessarily, like not to the level uh, relative to the movie, uh, the other characters in the movie, obviously. Right. But uh, it becomes like so important as that like really beautifully written out subtext later of like what he sees and how that impacts him and how horrified he is by it. But like, oh, OK, I'm going to shut up. Keep going. <laughs> Oh man, it's too good. So in in a straight comedy scene, AJ is trying to establish the the, the square footage of the property and he's measuring every room and eventually he goes to measure the basement uh, and and discovers the same false wall and creepy dungeon room and his only thought when he reaches the dungeon is <laughs> just like, "Oh, ooh, more square footage." I think it's it's so funny, dude. I was cracking up. It was really, I mean, the people in my audience were laughing. Uh, this, yeah, was a, this was a great scene. It was so amazing. I don't think I've ever seen something that funny for that long, genuinely in a horror movie. Yeah, the entire theater was just like absolutely like rollicking. And yeah, then he just, he, he finds the horrible staircase to hell and had the exact same reaction. He's like jackpot. The square footage just going <laughs> through the roof, you guys. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what it bordered line to like, Okay, no, like no. Right, it gets a little absurd because then he's like in the catacombs beneath the house and like still measuring. <laughs> but then you think about what this guy's going through in his like life right now and how like weirdly traumatized he is in this kind of crap that's like blowing up his whole life, and that got me back on board for being like, okay, he's in like in an altered mind state where he's like, he's not even interpreting anything like normally right now. So then the the horrible monster woman. The character's actually called the mother in the script. Um, she abducts him as well and throws him into a dungeon where Tess has already been waiting. And she's fine. She's not uninjured. She's just like, listen, you have to just be a baby. <laughs> be, be, baby. <laughs> the monster wants a baby. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, as funny as it is, like we're cracking up now, the tonal shift at this point in the movie once again Hits like a sledgehammer. Right. Like, and and you almost think like, well, then in that case, Bill Skarsgård got off easy. <laughs> like if he, yeah, if he just had to die and we have to live our lives here. I think that's literally what I yeah. thought at the time was like, oh, I kind of hope she was dead. <laughs> like for her sake. So like she's feeding them expired food and like trying to nurse them, uh, which is very horrifying. Oh, Oh, that bottled! Oh my god, I can't. I almost, I was, I almost threw up a little bit in my mouth with that bottle. <laughs> so, like, while she's torturing Justin Long like this, uh, Georgina Campbell's character Tess like is able to escape while she's dealing with him. And then, when the mother notices her escape, AJ is able to like get away too, but he goes the wrong way. He goes deeper into the catacombs. And there's a really scary scene where, like, he's standing in front of a door shouting threats and insults at the mother. And then, like, she's too afraid to approach him because whatever's behind the door is enough to frighten her. Now, I can't remember. Is is the, the order of events now is off in my mind, too. It's like, was this before or after we got the vignette? About yeah, yeah the, that, that's, uh, that's about to come. Yeah, yeah. That's about to come. Okay. Yeah, my, my mental timeline's a little off on this. And then Tess, as soon as she gets out, she's accosted by the homeless guy, whose name is actually Andre, who this entire time 
was not trying to harm her, was trying to warn her, do not go into the horrible monster house. Yeah, and you know what's the weird thing, though? This was playing with my mind. I instantly doubted him. Like, hmm. I thought because because I had been so tuned by this movie at this point to its plays, it played with my trust, right? Because it's breaking all of these norms. It's it's destroying like this archetypical view that I had. I was like, is this where the director takes her out of this like supernatural place and it, it, it makes the statement of like, oh, no, the real world is scary, too. Right. Well, and I almost had a thought that, like, when AJ's in front of that door, the door that uh, the mother is too scared to approach, I was like, oh, is now something, like, even something supernatural, perhaps, like, down here uh, ah, in the catacombs same. beneath the earth? Because it, it's so weird. It, 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 it's, it's just so strange and rattling in a lovely way. Right. Um, and, and like, like I said, it, if the mother can be down here. Like, what else can be down here? It's like what I was thinking. Like, Yeah. And th- this is the kind of stuff, and like, I can't say it enough. Uh, the entire time, I was tense. Yeah. The only time I felt like I wasn't tense when I was watching this movie, for even like a, the second, was that one big cut to Justin Long's introduction. That's it. That's when I got my little breath, and they only give you that breath so they can instantly snatch it away. Then after like Andre tells her like just like take your life that you've escaped with and go, she decides like even though she doesn't know Justin Long, she still wants to save him, and she tries to track down two uh, Detroit police officers who just think she's like on fent and won't listen to anything she has to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, and once again, like the like the you know the the easy like kind of social context like like done really well of she is filthy smells horrible probably uh and like is raving like positively raving Um, right and so again she's acting outside of behavior that is expected and so she is a threat she's interpreted as threatening by the police yeah and it's uh, so so well done because a lot of times you know when the cop ignores it you kind of groan and you're like oh come on man like why did they even bother to put this in here but it felt pretty natural and normal to me. Then we get yet another like very hard cut to a third character. Now a third perspective character, uh, the original owner of this house when it was built in the eighties, Frank, who is seems like a normal stuck up square on the outside. But in reality, he's like a nightmarish serial killer and kidnapper, and he has people chained up in his basement. Obviously, like the guy who created all these catacombs to begin with. And uh, this this goes along with what Andre tells us in a later scene that like, and this is how the mother was created. And it's a little gross to describe, but like he was kidnapping women, assaulting them. They would have kids uh, rinse and repeat as awful as that is until you get this the mother monster character Mm -hmm. very grim very grim and like truly like it had enough seriousness that it didn't feel like distasteful like it it was like they're not it didn't feel like they were doing it to like shock you in a cheap way it was like and they didn't show much they left most of it to your imagination which is more horrible than than what they could have put on screen 
Yeah, way more. Just like when the, the the last exit scene on that little vignette, when he walks in the house, opens the basement door, and you hear the screams, and like that's enough. <laughs> like, right. It was handled like very tastefully, and it was much more terrifying because of that. And then so. Justin Long's character, AJ, when he crosses into that room, the mother was too scared to go in. She finds Frank now, ancient, uh, decrepit, in in bed, unable to get up. He's in a filthy room full of, like, you know, uh, survivalist shit and cans of beer and cigarette butts. And there's a TV with a VCR where he's got victims on video collections of them and again because like justin long's character is an idiot he at first interprets this scene to be that like frank is another victim he's like i'm gonna get you out of here man yeah <laughs> okay that's that's definitely like and once again it didn't feel weird because it didn't feel like weird or like shoehorned or anything like that because it is so clear that justin Horn is a complete idiot <laughs> like beyond and, and- idiot i i can't even but he says, like, the the perfect thing to Frank, which is that, like, don't worry, there's going to be cops swarming this place any <laughs> any moment now. Which, like, those are the words Frank has been waiting to hear, and so he takes out a gun and shoots himself in front of Justin Long. Yep. I, like, it, all, it did almost feel like that. I don't know if it was, like, a subtle thing or if it was me putting it on, but the look on the guy's face was almost of, like, a very strange, strained alien relief. Like... Finally, yeah. someone stopped me. And eventually, uh, night falls. The mother leaves the house to go search for Tess. And Tess n- tries to mow her down with the car. The mother, we should say, is like eight feet tall, by the way. She's a monster. She's just a horrible, naked monster woman. Yeah, like like jacked and inhumanly strong, etc. So she gets into, run over by Tess. Tess goes into the basement to save AJ. Um, they both, uh, escape and, and, and are they're, they're given shelter by Andre, the homeless guy who gives them the tragic backstory of the mother and where she comes from. And, and again, in like a, a, a straight up comedy moment, he's like, but you guys are safe here. And AJ's like, well, how, do, how can you know that we're safe here? He's like, because I've been living here for 10 years and she's never once entered this building, at which point she Kool-Aid guy explodes <laughs> through the concrete wall. <laughs> I was, once again, I was, I laughed and screamed a little bit, not, okay, I'll just put that out there. I screamed a little, okay? <laughs> I laughed and, and screamed, even though you can tell it's coming because the line is such a wind up. Right. But like, oh, God, I laughed and screamed at the same time and my body couldn't figure out which, so I just kind of choked a little bit of my Sprite. I actually say there's one like last like revealing character moment where like before the mother comes and they're sitting together. Um, oh, oh, by the way, we should also say AJ at this point had accidentally shot Tess. Oh with, yeah. With as, they were, gun. Mm-hmm. as they were exiting. Right. Like just another kind of like, right. Just cause he literally has not yet done a single thing. Right. <laughs> in the entire story. <laughs> yeah. Just another fuck you moment. Like, Holy. Um, so she's critically wounded. But they're still escaping together. And at the fire, he's like, I'm going to make this right to you. And I'm going to make it right what I did before. I'm going to face justice. I'm going to face the music and just and admit everything and make it right. And again, Justin Long, great actor, sells this performance, made me believe it. I was like, oh, shit, we're going to get Justin Long redemption. 
Yeah, I, I true. I did. It's this is the redemption arc, right? Like he's maybe he'll take her out, and then some part of me, some deep dark part of me, said, "No, fuck that." No, because <laughs> to do no so way. would make would you know he would actually have to take accountability, mm-hmm. uh, not he, just not just say that he will. Yeah, but he had <laughs> me. He had me wind. He had me wound up, man. Justin Long's a hell of an acting. So the mother chases them through the neighborhood. They they go up a to a water tower, where obviously they're cornered. And uh, there's another amazing sequence here where AJ's like, listen, either we both die or, you know, you're already shot. Like, you could try to help me out a little bit. Um, and and I'm trying to recall it. So he pushes Tess off of the, the water tower. Uh, oh, yeah. So they're cornered, like, on the top, right? Yes. And the mother yeah. dives after her and then protects her, shields her from the fall, uh, seemingly killing the mother for a second time. And then also like saving Tess. And, uh, <laughs> and again, like AJ, unable to take any kind of responsibility, was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're OK. You know, I had to do that, but I'm glad it worked out for both of us in the end. Like, <laughs> I OK, let's let's slow down a little bit, because I think because this is this part's pretty interesting is like i think what specifically justin long says is when he kicks tess off the water tower um to save himself he says get your baby something like that yeah yeah to the to the mother yeah who then you know dives off of and you can kind of see like and this is the weirdest thing because she is a monster and she does monstrous things but it is once again it's just it is because she's so warped Right. Even after Tess tried to kill her, she is still has the sense of like weird, effed up caring. Right. Well, that in is the same being, way that you and I were joking about, like how Leatherface is like just a victim of circumstance. Uh, the mother is actually a victim of circumstance. Yeah, like, absolutely. No one would have asked to be born a horrible eight foot deformed monstrosity. And she has yeah. the, the thinking capability of a child. And it draws this beautiful parallel again that, you know, we can't go into maybe too much today, but like that, just see it for yourself. And like this parallel between Justin and the serial killer dad who had done this. Right. And like, they're both just ruthlessly exploiting people in in this case, specifically women around them for these like self-serving, horrible purposes. Right. And in in the moment where like, you know, we if the audience thinks Tess is the main character, AJ thinks he's the main character. That's why he's like, well, I can just sacrifice Tess to save myself, which no one wants to see but him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it reminded me too, that, oh God, dude, like when Justin Long was like looking like, you know, he popped in one of the guy's videos when he was down in his little underground room is like, you know, his murder assault women videos. And um, he was horrified by that. Right. But to, once again, to Justin Long's credit, you almost see on his face this dawning of like, oh, I'm a rapist, too. <laughs> like, right. But like it. But like if I repent, I won't have to turn into this guy. More yeah, I'm not him. I'm I'm still a good person. Right. Or I don't have to be. Maybe I can be good from now. On. Like if I take responsibility and if I admit, admit what I did wrong. Right. Yeah. And then immediately does the exact opposite. <laughs> So yeah, he goes down, he tries to like pick up <laughs> Tess once again, who's now been shot and fallen off of a water tower, and the mother wakes up and just gives him, you know, uh, uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones treatment and just c- c- 
like pulls his head apart with two hands by the mm-hmm. eyes, which was a grisly kill. Yeah, beautifully done though, and gave it, it gave me that that uh, it, it gave me the sense of satisfaction that I'm always looking for from movies. Like in a horror movie, like I want that really satisfying grisly kill just from like a horror movie fan type thing, and I got it. Full full payoff. The ending here is really bizarre. So the mother wants to take Tess, like, wants to save Tess, obviously. Tess is saying, I need to go to a hospital. The mother doesn't understand any of that. She just wants to cradle her baby and bring her back down to her subterranean uh, nursery. And, um, you know, no malice in what the mother's doing. But every time she tries to pick Tess up, she's, like, injuring her further. And so finally, Tess grabs the gun, uh, uh, which Justin Long had dropped. And, and like, as the credits roll, she blows out the mother's uh, brains, and and then the song "Be My Baby" starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, perfect. I sat. I, I liked the uh, the credit sequence as well. Um, Not to talk about this on every episode that we do, but what it reminded me of was in Hereditary, where it ends with, like, the very cheerful version of both sides now, even though you've just seen something horrible. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it is the perfect song for this. And we do see that, like, in in a mid-credits sort of transition, the mother is definitively dead, Tess is definitively alive, and is, like, walking away. Yeah, I I, I like that. Um, I liked it a lot, actually. It It was great. And yeah, I think the the parallels we've drawn here between um, Hereditary and this movie, it definitely was informed by a lot of the sensibilities of Hereditary without actually ripping it off in any way. There's similarities to 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 be drawn on, I think, especially in the fact that like Zach Kreger, although he has a lot more writing and production experience than maybe Ari Aster had, this is still his first first feature length horror movie just like hereditary was for Ari Aster and I, I don't know man like again like an extremely strong showing here not just from him but from like the three principal cast members as well um like I, I don't the casting of Bill Skarsgård was so brilliant man that was such a good red herring it would be like if you cast the little girl from hereditary as like an innocent bystander in a movie yeah absolutely uh screw well done Overall, you know, I got the feeling overall too. In since we're, since we're thinking about this, and now it's running through my head, this idea that like when you have these these talented people with great scripts who are not held back and locked into place because they have a winning formula, right? Because they're trying to define what their version of this is, and you you just get these wonderful freshman movies. I just hope we keep getting them. You know, like it's awesome. Like we've been talking a lot about uh, like our, our kind of outside stuff. Um, and uh, it's it's so cool to know that people are getting shots on weird scripts in 2022. Yes, and and I, I honestly think the person we have to thank for this is probably Drumroll, Bloomhouse, right? Because like, yeah. this is not a Bloomhouse picture, and you no. might assume that it's an A24 picture, but it's actually neither. It's just distributed mm-hmm. by 20th Century Fox, and. Yep. It follows the Bloomhouse model, though. $4 million yeah. to make, and then it made $50 million, which is the only thing you're looking for with one of these horror movies. And guess what? It's a formula that works. And and the constraint of a small budget makes you have to be more creative with your writing. I was literally counting at the end of it in my head the number of characters who spoke. 
<laughs> I was like, they're following the model down to the the, the smallest little bit. Right, um, and it's only a hundred minutes long, and it's that's it's perfect. It doesn't need to be any longer. There was nothing that needed, like no character needed more development than what we got. Uh, and I think like the scenes of 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 explicit horror were so few and far between, it made the impact so much stronger. Absolutely, and perfectly spaced, perfectly toned. Um, I I ended the movie with this is strange for me. I'm I'm often very positive, even when a movie is not so great. Um, I ended the movie with zero complaints, mm. just great feelings. Just walking away, going, "That was a movie. That's amazing. Good times." Nothing critical running through my head, and I still haven't found anything that I could legitimately criticize. I have seen a lot of 2022 horror movies so far, and I would say this is probably the best one. The only competition it really has is Nope, which is probably sitting at number two at this point. But yeah, this was the best thing I've seen all year, um, including the movie X, which was getting a lot of praise. I thought this was way better. Yeah, 100%. And I don't even think, I don't think Nope stands up to it. I love no, Nope. I would put Nope as number really two. really enjoyed it. And this is yeah. number one. I th- easy order. It's It's number one by a long shot. And I, I, I do not think that there's anything that could possibly come out between now and the end of the year that could unseat that. And I hope that it gets the credit it deserves as horror movies so rarely do. Right. Um, and and I, I, I hope that people who maybe don't like horror movies are around the fence and listen to this whole thing and, and know how it's going to go anyway. I would still say give it a shot, man, because there's a lot of stuff in this movie that you would just have not seen before uh, because it's that original. And again, like Zach Kreger coming from straight comedy nothing but comedy and then just like wrote this amazing horror movie yeah and don't get me wrong like you if you see this and you're not a horror person it it is a difficult first pill to swallow if you are new to the horror genre but it is worth your time and it might sell you hard on the fact that horror has so much value especially like moving forward in 2022 and beyond uh beyond the scare like there's there's so much being explored in the genre. And I, I truly think that that horror will be the it genre um, of at least the next decade in terms of movies that not only are excellent movies, but that transcend and make excellent commentary, no matter what kind of commentary uh, on our society. Like, I think it's taking back what I thought it had a very long time ago. Um, the, the, the king genre of doing that. Yeah, and I'm glad that we talked about it on the show, and I hope that we'll be back again to talk more about some other horror movie, hopefully uh, another good one like this. We don't go looking for the bad movies, they just find us accidentally. Yep. True, true. Like like old, and, and Texas yeah, Chainsaw Massacre Like 9. those ones that we definitely... <laughs> okay, sometimes they find us, and sometimes they, they, um, they're just calling out in the darkness, and just they... We find them and we, we lovingly uh, watch them and then uh, speak the truth. Well, and thank you for coming out, Adam. And then come back soon and we'll talk about something shitty. Sounds good. We'll talk about something real shitty.